Hello, friends, and thank you for listening to another Rod Tucker Says podcast. Um, I'm really excited for how many people have actually been tuning into these podcasts because they are, uh, I'm passionate about them. And whenever I get a concept, I want people to kind of engage with the topic and understand. So I don't want to make this one really long. Sometimes I'll do like 30 minutes, but this one I want to be short because I just want to put some ideas in your head to think about. But number one, before I put some of these ideas in your head, I want you to understand that this doesn't come from the cynical part of Rod Tucker. You would be able to tell in my tone and jabs if this was coming from the cynical part of Rod. Uh, it comes from a really a deep a deep place that was sparked in me yesterday. And so what happened yesterday was I had the opportunity to um, jump in on a conference call with a nonprofit that does a lot of um, feeding of people, taking care of children, fighting to end trafficking, and does that throughout the nation. And they do a phenomenal phenomenal job. I really love this organization. And I've had the opportunity to be involved with some different organizations in my life. This one in particular, I really love. And I don't want to say their name, but they are fantastic. And and we were just talking a little bit about the ideas of some different models uh, of attracting churches or different models of engaging the millennial generation that might work or might not work. And so uh, it was an honor to be talking with with these guys, um, over Skype and we had a really good conversation, but that conversation sparked something way deeper in me that I just wanted to share with you. And and it kind of culminates on, on two sections of the Bible. One is Isaiah 53, two, and the other one is in Amos 5, 21 through 24. And in those sections, God is, is talking about the, um, persona of Jesus and then also his view of sometimes what I think church in this country has become. And I just want to call it out. And I want to say it. And I want you to think about it. I'm not giving you the answer. But I think it's important that we process these types of things on our own. So I, as I was talking with this organization, I just want you to know that I was very aware of how much they do throughout the world. How many people they're helping. All of the good stuff that they got going on. And it is all super kingdom-focused. Kingdom is a word I use to describe um, bringing justice and love to the world God's way. And so we're called to pray, Lord, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth like it's done in heaven. And we pray that prayer. And this organization specifically was one that is fighting to actually answer that prayer. Some might say to be the hands and feet of God. And so as I was talking to them, I started to think about the people that that they seek out to um, ask for support from, which is oftentimes the local church. And it just brought attention in my mind. And I know that tension is good. Attention bridge is held up because of the tension. But this brought attention in my mind that that caused me to think, what on earth is the church doing if we need these nonprofit parachurch organizations to come in and do all of the work 
that God has designed for his people to do, feeding children around the world, rescuing them from trafficking. And, and these organizations have actually had to come in, and I laugh when I hear it, even though it's sad. These organizations have actually had to come in and say, you know what, church, for the price of a cup of coffee a day, you can rescue a child from poverty. For the price of a cup of coffee a day, you can put a shelter over a family. For the price of a cup of coffee a day, you can give a family clean water. For the price of a cup of coffee a day, you can make a family at peace and at home so that their children aren't endangered to the throes of human trafficking and forced labor. And that's what the church has responded to. We've said, yeah, for the price of a cup of coffee a day, we've done it and we want to sponsor all these kids. And when we reach that sponsorship, we clap for each other because we did it and we become the hero. And all the while, this organization is suffering with those children. This organization is suffering with those third world places. And we are writing checks and somehow have told ourselves that through writing checks we're we're okay and 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 it's almost like the extra on top we give our tithes and then we then we give the extra on top to support what the um people of god the real church the church with hands and feet is doing and it just made me think about finances it made me think about resources it made me think about where money goes and i know a lot of people have gotten cynical um, around this. And, and my attempt in this little speech is not to rant, but to just kind of bring some awareness, not from here's how much churches spend on building projects, not from that perspective, not like you could spend this much money um, feeding the poor uh, instead, although that is a valid argument that people use. My goal here is to is to take some of what the Bible shares and pass it on to you for you to think about. And again, I'm Rob Tucker, and I am okay if you disagree with me. If you hear an animal walking around, I have my dog, Juno, down here with me, and she got bored laying on the blanket, so she might wander around a little bit and smell things. She's down here. I'll give her a little pet. I'll introduce you sometime. But um, the verse that I wanted to first start with is in Amos 5, 21 through 24, and I really like the New Living Translation of it. <laughs> and so... It sounds harsh, but it's God talking, and he simply says this, I hate all your shows and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all of your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. If I were writing that today or translating it, I might say something like, I hate your giant church services and your, your big gatherings of show, the hypocrisy of your large parties and your solemn assemblies. I will not, I will not accept your special offerings. I won't even Notice your super special offerings that you ask the whole community to be a part of. Away with your loud music. I won't even listen to it. Instead, I want to see your lifestyle change. I want to see a mighty flood of justice and an endless river of living. 
the Jesus way. That would be my translation. I think where we we went wrong in, in this culture as church is we started to seek to become attractive to people. We sought to be a place that from the outside in, someone would look at and say, I want to go there because they look professionally done. When, when, when all the while we look back to the disciples and people are always saying, who are these unschooled boys? And when large crowds would gather around Jesus, he would say things like, drink my blood and eat my body. He actually said, eat my body and drink my blood, made him sound like a vampire. And I can imagine that everybody left. Jesus wasn't interested in gathering many, many, many people together so that he could appear successful. He was interested in seeing a mighty flood of justice. He was interested in seeing the empire of religion that was taking advantage of people and telling them their goats weren't good enough, that they needed to go buy a different goat for the sacrifice at the temple, even though that family was poor. He wanted to see lifestyle changes so that, so that, so that the rich would um, elevate themselves to the poor. Notice I used the backwards language there. So that the rich would find that the high place is when we suffer together and so that people could come together and justice could form. Because it's only when you get proximate with someone and you begin to experience their pain and live their life with them that you feel the urgency of the change. And from there, from that mighty flood of justice, I feel like Martin Luther King Jr., an endless river of righteous living would flow. And we interpret righteous living like not sinning, but I, but I would add to that to say righteous living and avoiding sin is avoiding the systems of injustice that we participate in every day and then somehow tell ourselves that we are not part of them because we have donated for the price of a cup of coffee a day a once-a-month gift that we give to someone. And I'm not saying that's even bad. I'm saying that you and I, friends, are the rich young ruler. The one who says we've done it all, we've sponsored, we've went there, we've accomplished the things that these um, nonprofits have told us we needed to accomplish, and they're just trying to get us to have some compassion. And when we do that, we clap for ourselves without ever, ever giving all of our time and energy to something. And so Jesus looks to the rich young ruler and he loves him because he knows he's capable of more. And he says, one thing you lack, sell your possessions and follow me. And Jesus, friends, makes it very clear where he is. If we, if we read his kind of end of time parable, we find the parable of the sheep and the goats. And he says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat or I was hungry and where were you? I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink or I was thirsty and where were you? I was naked or I was a stranger and you brought me in or I was a stranger and where were you? Jesus tells us where to find him. He tells us where he is and if we want to follow him, that's where we need to go and that's when a mighty flood of justice will begin and an endless river of righteousness can start. One thing that I want to add um, just in ending this, is that in our attempts to build very attractive models to draw the world in to worship with us, we, we miss out on an opportunity, friends, to look like Jesus. And, and, and I proof text a little to do this because 
I'm very convicted by Isaiah 53, verse 2, that says, Jesus grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And because of that, I think the call that the church has, and I'm not talking about the buildings that we try to make look so magnificent. I'm talking about the people. The thing that is attractive is not the thing we put on our walls or, or the, the, the style of worship that we do. That's, a, that's attractive in a, in a worldly concept. But what is really attractive is when we live countercultural to the world and we love in such a way that people say, man, I really, 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 really want to be a part of that. And so to end it with a benediction, may you be a person who does not try to make yourself attractive to the world. And may you be part of a local church that does not try to make itself attractive to the world, but rather seeks to be so countercultural that God doesn't say to us, I hate your shows and I don't want to listen to your hymns and your harps. I don't want to listen to that noise. I want to see a mighty flood of justice. May we be people who embrace that mighty flood of justice with our lifestyle. And then, and maybe then we'll find out what righteous living is. I was proud of this organization I was talking to. They're embracing the mighty flood of justice and righteous living. They're embracing what it means to care for the poor and to jump into that stream with them. They're embracing lifestyle changes and they just want the church to do the same. And so I think it's time that those two things begin to line up and become one that the justice initiatives are viewed as the gospel. Because Jesus' death and resurrection was the greatest justice initiative ever in the history of humanity. And I want us to partner with that well. So there's my passionate speech. Thanks for listening. Um, feel free to go to rodtuckersays.com. And uh, check out the other podcasts or just if you're on the podcast, that's the best way to hear it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed doing this. And I actually recorded myself doing it on Facebook Live because I thought that would be fun. <laughs> and it was. I kind of got to watch myself talk. So grace and peace. I say grace so that you can live in the justice of God, in the mighty flood of that and righteous living. And I say peace because within you dwells the ability to walk into that justice with seemingly effortless beauty. Thanks for listening, friends. Go in peace.